At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. Welcome to another episode of the New England Society of Geeks podcast. I am Derek, and this is the, the Star Wars Chronological Rewatch Experiment, Part 1, The Phantom Menace. So, let me give you a little backstory on what this is. This is going to be a little set of vignettes for the New England Society of Geeks podcast in which... I will go back and watch the entire Star Wars Skywalker saga from beginning to end, including every single movie and every single show, such as the Clone Wars animated series, Rebels, Mandalorian, and yes, even Resistance. I'm going to go back, rewatch them all. And uh, do episodes on each thing that I watch. And of course, with that, you have to start at the beginning with The Phantom Menace. Now, personally, I have, I have basically been a Star Wars fan almost my entire life. I, Star Wars came out when I was a wee little lad, a youngling of three years old. And I instantly fell in love with the movie, and I have been a huge fan of Star Wars and the universe it encompasses ever since. I went through all three of the original movies, loving Star Wars. I went through the dark time when there was no more Star Wars. Um, and that, and I went through the resurgence of Star Wars after the dark time. Which brings me to the time of the prequels. Now, when we first learned that the prequels were coming out, I was very excited. I couldn't wait to see them. In fact, I had uh, a countdown on my calendar of when Phantom Menace actually came out and I could see it. So I was looking forward to the movie with great anticipation. I even bought the soundtrack ahead of time and listened to it until I had every every note memorized. Um, and uh, I bought, you know, a bunch of the figures and I was all in on new Star Wars. And then The Phantom Menace came out. I saw it and... I I still love it as a part of the whole, but by itself, I'm going to admit, I was a little disappointed. So disappointed that I actually haven't watched The Phantom Menace in quite some time. Um, a few years, actually. I might have caught bits, of, bits and pieces of it when they replayed it on TV, but 
it's been quite a while since I have sat through the entire film in one sitting. So that, coupled with the fact that I have and always have had a horrible memory, is part of what led to this experiment. Uh, that and Clone Wars, which just ended, great ending, it's um, final season. Uh, and the Clone Wars is another thing that I haven't gone back and rewatched. And there's a lot of memory gaps as far as that series is confirmed, uh, concerned. Excuse me. So I'm actually looking forward to going back and rewatching the Clone Wars in chronological order. I found this great article. Um, which I'll mention them when I get to the Clone Wars, that has has not only the chronological order of the episodes, uh, which you can find on StarWars.com, but this this is a whole separate article that actually breaks them down into story arcs, so I can watch entire story arcs at a time. But that will be coming in the future. For now, this is all about The Phantom Menace which has been my, I would say, my least favorite of the prequels because, well, basically, I didn't want to see Darth Vader as a little kid. Um, the whole midi-chlorian thing was introduced, and uh, I don't know. So for that and a couple other reasons, this was always my least favorite. Let's see if that holds up when this is all done. But for now, if you follow... Um, my Twitter account, the N-E-S-O-G pod at N-E-S-O-G podcast, then uh, you will know that I was live tweeting out my thoughts and notes um, as as I watched it on Saturday, May 30th. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through those tweet notes and... Uh, I'm going to expound on them, and uh, we'll see what we come out with at the end. So, um, as I said, The Phantom Menace was my least favorite of the prequels, um, and I am very curious to see if that will remain or not. However, I do have to say that um, though the effects are slightly dated, the settings of the film are still uh, uh, quite gorgeous. Um, Naboo is a beautiful planet. Of course, you know, Tatooine's always fun to see. So it looked it at least visually, it's still a, a pretty cool film. Um, even at the beginning, the ship that the the uh, Trade Federation ship that they go on, that Qui Gon and Obi Wan go on, are is really cool looking and everything. Um, so it's still at least a good looking film, <laughs> if nothing else. Um. Oh, I said it would have been very interesting to see what would ha would have happened if Qui Gon had lived. Now I've had this conversation on one of my other podcasts, Wookie Radio, when we had uh, some guests on from an another podcast, and I don't remember which one we had that conversation with. But anyway, we talked about what would happen if Qui Gon had lived, and uh, it's interesting to think about because i actually liked qui-gon jinn as a character played by liam neeson um he was very intelligent very he was very much what 
I think he's very much what a Jedi should be. And I think that's part of the problem is the Jedi may have strayed from that. But uh, I think Qui-Gon was a really great, a, a really great character and a really great Jedi. And uh, yeah, I would have loved to have seen, I would have loved to have seen what, what would have happened if he had not been killed by Darth Maul. But such is the nature of tragedy. Unfortunately, it was important to the story that he died. I would have liked to have seen him, though, become a Force ghost at some point. That would have been nice. Eh, but it is what it is. Um, oh, next up, I mentioned uh, I've always loved the droid Dekaz, the, uh, the destroyer droids. I always thought they were kind of cool. That was one of the few things that I really liked about the, um, the Phantom Menace. As they introduce those, the Joy Dekas. Um, but I just wish they had done more with them. I mean, they were they were in there and they had some cool scenes and stuff, and it was always fun to see them. But I would like to see just some real, some you know, I just would love to have seen a lot more of them and a lot more focus on them at certain points because they're so cool. Mm. <laughs> Uh, next up, I said that Queen Amidala's, uh, her official voice sounds a lot like, uh, Sansa Stark's royal voice, you know, the, their official voices when they're speaking officially to people and stuff. Not exactly, but kind of, kind of similar in a lot of ways, which is kind of interesting. Ah, <laughs> uh, and then here's a big part is a, one of the big things that. I have a problem with about the Phantom Menace that might have, uh, we'll have to see when I rewatch the other two movies, but the Phantom Menace in particular, the acting is really stiff in a lot of scenes. I particularly, geez, excuse me. In particular, I noticed it uh, during the first scene in the beginning of the movie where we see Queen Amidala and her royal court, um, the governor, Captain Tanaka and stuff. That scene, that whole scene where they're discussing the Trade Federation and the blockade and all that, that scene is really, really stiff and wooden. And uh yeah. So that that's always been one of the problems I had with Phantom Menace, definitely. Again, we'll have to see when I rewatch the other two if it's as bad. I don't seem to recall it being as bad, but then again, as I stated, I have a very bad memory. And not just because I'm an old fart, um, I've just always had a bad memory. Especially when it comes to like my childhood and stuff. But that's a whole different show, so I'm not going to get into all of that. <sighs> but what I will say is, as I said... Um, I bought the soundtrack before the movie came out at least, I don't know, at least a month or two. I don't remember exactly. Um, and I remember I used to play it. I used to listen to the soundtrack and play F-Zero on my Nintendo 64, I want to say. I, yeah, my, I believe it was Nintendo 64. I used to play F-Zero and listen to the soundtrack to... To Phantom Menace. Star Wars makes a great soundtrack for playing F Zero. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> and ah, 
just listening to the soundtrack and John Williams, his work on the movie, it just, it got me so pumped for the film. Ugh, I love that soundtrack. Uh, and then we come to Jar Jar. Um, yeah, Jar Jar, I used to really, really, really hate Jar Jar Binks. He's just so annoying, but to the point where he just, I just couldn't take it. And I don't know if it's because I'm older now or because I just don't care anymore as much, but uh, I don't, or because of what ends up happening to him um, in, in the next uh in the next films and even if you go to if you've ever read the aftermath books then you'll know uh you almost feel bad for jar jar but yeah he was uh he's just way that the problem is i get it i get they wanted to put him in there for young kids that's all great um i can even deal with him as comic relief if they had kind of toned him back a bit. I just think they went way, way too far with him. They made him way too ridiculous. If they had pulled it back a little bit, he might not have been such such a ridiculous character. But also, I will say, um, the actor who played him, Ahmed Best, kind of went through a rough time because of Jar Jar, and I think that's unfair. And I feel bad for him, but I think he's doing much better now. Um, I believe he's hosting the, uh, what is it, the Jedi Temple game show or whatever it is coming. Anyway, so he's doing better now with it, but he, yeah. I mean, if you don't know the whole story between Ahmed Best and his role as Jar Jar, look it up. I'm not going to get into the details of it, but it's, it, it's kind of a sad story. But I think it's it's turned around now, so that's good. Also, Jarger reminds me that I just the accents in Phantom Menace were very <laughs> just uh, yeah, you know, you know. I've I'm sure you've heard it before, but they really are rewatching it this time. They really are just just yeah yeah yeah. So. I watched this with these um, subtitle, the closed captioning on so that I could get everything, which let me tell you, made for an interesting experience. It kind of cleared up uh, a few things, particularly with Jar Jar and some of the other characters with bad accents that um, I never really quite got. Uh, So I actually recommend doing that sometime if you've never done it. Just watch the movies with the the closed caption on. It be it might be it might be interesting. You might find some interesting things. Um, yeah, like I saw some stuff that I didn't realize Jar Jar was saying that some of it makes sense and some of it's even some of it made it even worse. But you know, there you have it. Ah, oh, and going back to the visuals I had talked about earlier, I gotta say that the planet of Naboo really does seem like a nice place to live other than the trade federation blockade <laughs> no but it i always liked naboo um it's it's uh it's one of the prettier planets in in the star wars universe and um that, that might be one i'd like to live on i think you know 
better than the desert of Tatooine or the frozen tundra of Hoth or even the uh, the forest moon of Endor, which is too much of a forest. Yeah, I, I, I really kind of like Naboo. <laughs> this is a funny one. So I just, it, this just struck me as funny this time. I said, uh, it sure was nice of the invading army to give the queen time to change. So, of course, you know, the, the Trade Federation and uh, uh, the battle droids invade Naboo. And, um, and um, speaking of which, the, the theme that John Williams created, wrote for when the, uh, when the droid army flies down to Naboo and invades is, I love that theme. It's so awesome. Um, but yeah, it's funny because so they, they take over to the capital, they capture the queen, and then, then they go to the next scene of them taking the queen, and she's in a whole different outfit, so I know she goes through a bunch of outfits through the movie, but it's just funny that, I mean, if you're an invading army, you're invading a place, you're gonna, you know, you capture their queen, and she says, oh, I need a minute to change, you're gonna be like, yeah, okay, go ahead, you know, we'll be here, we'll be here waiting. It's just... I don't know. It just struck me as odd. <laughs> um, but one thing I noticed, one thing that I, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure many of you have probably noticed this before, but I never really paid that much attention to it. But if you knowing that the queen, that Amidala has a decoy, if you watch scenes with, with, um, her decoy, which I believe was Kira Knightley, if I remember correctly. Again, bad memory, and I'm not going to bother looking it up, but I believe that was Kira Knightley. Um, you can see that she, she and Amidala, who's dressed up as a handmaiden, have they have like a code to talk to each other. So whenever a decision needs to be made or something, she'll look over to, to Queen Amidala um, in her handmaiden disguise. And uh, I just, that was just something I didn't really pick up on before the way they did that. That was kind of cool, actually. Kind of like that. Um, however, one thing I picked up on, well, I, I picked on, on, picked up on it before, but one thing that's always bothered me is the, the battle droids. Sometimes they're a little too dumb. I mean, I get it. They're mindless droids. They do what they told, blah, blah, blah. But sometimes it's like, they do stupid things that are meant to be comical or whatever. And it's like, seriously, if you were going to create an army of droids to invade a planet, you should probably do a better job with them than, than, than these battle droids. They're just, they're just one step under useless. I'd say show do make good cannon fodder though. Um, um, Oh, so of course it was great to see when they, uh, when the first time I watched the movie, when they finally showed R two D two, was very exciting. I remember, and of course that was on the Queen's ship, the Queen's cruiser, which is really cool. I love that ship. That's a that's a sweet ship, all silvered out and stuff. I actually have a toy. It's a a toy of the ship. It's it's a it's a playset. Technically, it's a you know a ship playset, but it's the Queen ship. And it's pretty big. Like, uh, it's like, um, I think it's almost three feet long, maybe. 
um i'll have to i'll take a picture of it and put it up on the instagram for the show so you can check that out if you want and of course uh that instagram is n-e-s-o-g pod so look for that um yeah it was cool to see her too i love the queen ship it's a beautiful ship but what struck me as odd is i don't know it just was weird when there are two fixes the ship and they bring R2 in front of the queen. The queen says, good job, blah, blah, blah. And then the queen asks Padme to clean up R2-D2. And it's just like, that's the, you're going to ask the actual queen to clean up R2-D2? That just seems really odd to me. I mean, I, yeah, she's in disguise, but still, I mean, it just struck me as odd. Um, and of course... One great thing about Star Wars movies is always watching the background. There's always cool stuff in the background, um, especially when, like when they go to Mos Espa, things like that. Uh, there's cool things in the background, characters, aliens, little um, Easter eggs, things like that. It's always fun. Not just with Phantom Menace, with, you know, with all the movies. <clears throat> And then another question I has had is why why wouldn't Qui Gon have just left Jar Jar back on the ship? Why did he take him with him into to Mos Espa? Who who thought that was a good idea for you know? I mean, I would think I would think that Jar Jar would get into less trouble back on the ship. But what do I know? I guess right. <laughs> mm. Um, another thing I'll I'll take a picture of and put up on the Instagram is um. I actually got a set of chance cubes um, from Mike over at the Weeby Geeks podcast that I'm a co-host on. He actually works for Disney World, and he got me a set of chance cubes from uh, the... I don't know where exactly he got it. I think it was Galaxy's Edge, but I could be wrong. But anyway... So I have a I have a set of chance cubes, just like Watto, the red and blue, and uh, I was thinking I might be able to use them in my D and D games, but I haven't really played D and D since this whole pandemic thing started, so that hasn't happened yet. And then, uh, uh, uh next I wrote, who was Anakin's father? Who indeed? which we still don't have an actual official answer on. There's many theories, um, which I'm not going to get into. You can look those up yourself if you don't already know them. But it does make you wonder how much influence Palpatine has actually had. But then, I don't know. Because if he, if, if he had created Anakin or it, you know, somehow had something to do with Anakin's birth. How would he, how would he have manipulated things so that the queen's ship would have to go to Tatooine? That seems a little out of Palpatine's control. And then find Anakin and like all of that, all of that seems too much of a chance encounter for it to be have been fully manipulated by Palpatine. So 
if Palpatine had had a, a part in creating Anakin, how unless maybe he had a vision where he knew they were going to find Anakin someday or uh, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, uh something to think about. Um so then of course when um Qui-Gon wanted to check Anakin's blood for midi-chlorians, he told him, "Oh, I'm checking your blood for infections after he got injured." That was I got to say, that was pretty clever. Pretty clever. Qui-Gon. It's a small thing, but I just I just found it clever. Quever? Quever, Qui-Gon. <laughs> um oh, and then it was the when when he's talking when the next scene where Qui-Gon's talking to Watto about you know and they start making the bet and all that. Um Qui-Gon calls Watto his blue friend, which seemed like an innocent thing. But if you really think about it, try putting that into a real wor- world perspective and saying, you know, my blue friend, but replacing the word blue. You know, you, you see what I'm saying here? That that in, the, in, in our real world, saying something like that would be a little uh, a touch racist, I think. Uh, I mean, yeah. Maybe I'm blowing it out of proportion, but I mean, you know, think about it. <laughs> I'm sure Qui-Gon doesn't consider himself a racist or in this case, a speciest, I guess. But, you know, <clears throat> All right. I better move on before I get myself in trouble. Um. Oh, next up, I said, I prefer my Jabba Duhut as a giant slug puppet. Thank you very much. Um. You know, it's nice to see Jabba to have the connective tissue in Phantom Menace, but I don't, I, I like to, I like the big fat Jabba who can barely move, takes nine people to operate the puppet. I don't like either. I'm not really fond of either version of the computer animated Jabba, although I will say he was definitely better in the Phantom Menace than he was in the special edition of A New Hope. I think we can all agree on that. But anyway, uh, just a little nitpicky thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, this is so. <laughs> going back to um, the closed captioning, as I said, watching it on on closed captioning is really interesting. So when they get to the pod race scene, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of things, closed captioning things from the various racers and crowd and, and announcer and aliens and stuff. And it just, it just struck me as funny. It, it looked like whoever was doing the closed captioning was drunk, but it, it's not. It's just because of all the alien languages they had in the movie with, uh, with the made up words and stuff. It just, it was funny. It just struck me as odd. And speaking of the pod racing scene, um, it's a cool scene and all, and I like it and all. Um, and it was, it was, it made for an awesome video game. And if you haven't played the pod racing video game, which came out on Nintendo 64, um, they just re-released it on, on all the new platforms, switch PS4, PS4 and all that. And Xbox. I believe Xbox has it too. Um, check it out. It's actually a fun game. 
It's a really, really fun game. It's one of the best things that came out of the Phantom Menace. There's a small handful of things that the Phantom Menace has that are really good. And um, the pod racing game is definitely one of them. Now, the pod racing scene, while it was interesting, the actual scene from the beginning of the race to the end of the race is basically around 15 minutes long. And I think that was a little bit on the long side, if you ask me. I wouldn't mind seeing that shaved down a little bit. It was, like I said, it was a cool scene and all, but I don't know. Especially rewatching it, I'm like, ah, oh, can we just get to the end already? Eh, but, you know, that's my opinion. Maybe you disagree. Feel free to let me know on, uh, you know, any of the social medias. Um, and of course, as always, listen to the end of the show to find the to find out where my social medias are. Social medias of the show, I should say. Now, uh, my next my next note was uh, about C three PO, and um, of course, we know that Anakin made C three PO in the Phantom Menace. You know, he was naked. He didn't have his coverings. He was all exposed wire and stuff like that. And <laughs> It made me think in going back to or ahead to A New Hope in the scene where Luke is giving 3PO an oil bath and 3PO says, oh, thank the maker. You know, um, is he actually talking about Anakin as opposed to like, you know, just, you know, the maker? Because that would be his maker. But I <laughs> just... I don't know. Kind of changes things if you really. Oh, thank the maker is actually. Oh, thank little Anakin. Uh, just weird. Anyway. Um. Oh yeah. So when Darth Maul comes to the planet, and uh, he sends out his probe droids, and they then he hops on his speeder to race across the uh, desert. I have to say, of all the speeders and speeder bikes and stuff, I. If I could pick one, I might pick Maul Speeder. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of it's 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 kind of compact and and it seems fun to drive and it's pretty uh, zippy. <laughs> and um, I don't know. That might be uh, that might be my favorite one. Maybe I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but of course, you know, I'll never actually get to have one. So the point is moot. <sighs> Next, I said, um, so in the scene, it occurred to me in the scene where Palpatine's talking to Queen Amidala on Coruscant about the whole exciting Senate politics stuff and everything. And uh, another thing that can, I, I get what George was going for with all of that, but it was a little dry, but it made me wonder, does Palpatine know about the queen's decoy i don't know for sure if he does or not again if you know maybe you could help me out and uh, let me know but i don't i wondered about that does he know that the queen has a decoy and that he could be talking to her decoy not that it matters i guess but i just i it's just something that popped in my head um and even though the political stuff is a little dry and everything I have to say, one thing I do love about the prequels is watching 
Palpatine work his schemes. I love seeing everything he did to make himself the Emperor. Just the plotting and the scheming and the execution of it all. And just, I, I, just, I, I'm going to say it. I have, I have, it gave me a newfound respect for Palpatine. <laughs> um, you know, it just, it was, it's pretty impressive what he did, really. I mean, sure, he's an evil, you know, Sith dictator and, and everything, but, you know, uh, uh, you know, he's, what he did was definitely impressive. <laughs> and then I also said, uh, even though he is an evil Sith Lord, he's not entirely wrong about the Senate and everything and the corruption and the bureaucracy and everything. Perhaps he didn't go about the best way to fix those problems. Um, but you know, I, I think his heart was in the right place. <laughs> uh, uh, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, Another thing I noticed that really interested me is if you really pay attention to it, um, there are a lot of moments where people, if they had just made a different decision or gone a different path, they could have stopped all of this. They could have stopped Palpatine and Vader and everything before it even started. Uh, I particularly thought of this because there was a scene where when the group was heading back to Naboo, um, Obi-Wan is speaking to, Gua- to Qui-Gon, and he basically tells him, you know, you, he says, Qui-Gon, to paraphrase, he says, Qui-Gon, you're going to train the kid, but what if the, what if the Jedi Council's right, and what if, he's, what if he's really dangerous? What if it's a bad idea? And then Qui-Gon said, you know, just trust me, dude. And of course, Obi-Wan, you know, it's his... His his Jedi Master, he's just a Padawan, so he says, all right, I'll trust you. But what if he didn't? What if Obi-Wan had kept pushing it and and did whatever he had to to make sure that Anakin didn't get trained? How would that have changed things? And there, and there's, there's, oh, there's all kinds of moments like that throughout the entire saga where... If people had just made different choices, things would have been a a lot different. Be kind of fun. There's a, there's a comic series that Marvel puts out or has put out called What If, and it is basically they take a concept. What if Spider-Man hadn't been bitten by a radioactive spider, or you know, what if Aunt May had, or whatever. Um, what if um, any and them, you know, it's always been a fun. I always love that series. What if? Um, it's always fun to see alternate timelines. But anyway, my point is, um, it'd be kind of cool to see a what if series based on Star Wars. What if Obi Wan had had keep kept pushing, um, about Anakin not being trained and stuff? Or what if you know? What if this had happened differently? Or what if you know? And um. I believe Dark Horse did do something, a series or a mini series on that concept, and I forget what it was called, but I remember it. I remember reading it. It was pretty cool, and it was basically, but it it was only, if I remember correctly, it was only on the original series, um, the original trilogy, I should say. Um, so it's been done a little bit, but I would really like, I would really love to see 
some what ifs on some in-depth what if stories on on star wars that would be really cool um again as i had said jar jar would have been a lot less annoying if they had just toned him back just a little bit he can be clumsy and you know a bit of an idiot whatever but just tone it back a little so it's not like like i would not want to hang around with jar jar it just uh he'd annoy the ever loving yeah and then i said it's a fine line between comedy and pure annoyance a very fine line and he crosses it and moving on i have said i i have always said that once the big battle starts i actually really like the phantom menace you know once the final battle with which is in three parts which i love the the gungans against the battle droid even though Jar Jar's annoying and that, I still like that whole thing, that whole battle. And, of course, the space battle's cool. I would love to have seen more of that. And then, of course, the uh, the best part of all, the duel between Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and Darth Maul. That was... Oh, actually, there's four battles, because there was also the, the Queen and Captain Tanaka and their crew... Um, taking back the capital. Um, but yeah, once the battle starts, the 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 battles start. the The movie really flies, and um, it's fun. <laughs> so, I uh, next I said um, I still hate the sound of the Naboo blasters. It's a weird noise that I don't like. You know, especially the Queen's blaster and stuff. Doesn't sound like regular blasters. And it just, I don't know, it has this weird noise that just, ugh, I do not like. However, I really love the Naboo Starfighters. My favorite ship in the Star Wars universe has always been and will always be the X-Wing. I love X-Wings. I think they're awesome. I just love the design of them. I love the wings. I love just everything about them but i gotta say the the naboo starfighters are really slick the yellow with the with the chrome and stuff oh it's it's a good looking ship and the, and the design of it oh i really really love the naboo starfighters um they're really cool um yeah so one thing that one thing i wonder about is how how exactly do the Gungans, who are more prim- primitive species technology-wise, how do they actually have shield technology? Or maybe that's the one technology they use. Because they don't really, they don't use blasters and they don't, you know, they just shoot big energy balls. Insert joke here. Um, but they have, sh- like, really good shield technology. And I guess, well, I guess maybe if you live underwater, you you kind of got to figure that out, huh? huh? Yeah, I guess so. Hmm. Interesting. Um. Okay. And then, I mean, I didn't really need to say this, but this thought pop, of course, always pops into my head. The fight with Darth Maul is, from beginning to end, awesome. And of course, the duel of fates is probably, in my humble opinion, one of John Williams's most genius moments of creation. I love Duel of the Fates. 
They have the entire Duel of the Fates on the soundtrack, and I used to love it. Um, it's funny, they had two versions. The instrumental version, and then the version I played the played clips from the movie, which I didn't care for that one as much. But uh, Duel of the Fates is an awesome song, and it's been used um, in in way, other ways throughout the saga, which is really cool. But that is, ah, uh, that, that, that song will get you going. Um, <laughs> next up, I never really noticed it, but, the, you know, there's a part where the queen and her, and, and her crew, um, they go through a window to escape battle droids, and then they use their, what they call ascension guns to climb up the window. And I just thought that was a little weird, you know, ascension guns, just, <sighs> It's just what are they, Batman? They have utility belts and uh and it's who calls it an an ascension gun? What it just it's just weird. Just struck me as funny. Um and I said, um I mean realistically, if you think about it, it's a little they kind of stretch the boundaries a little bit in bringing Darth Maul back since he did get cut in half. But I think we all allowed it. And didn't question it because um, Darth Maul is an awesome character, and he really did get a bum deal getting just getting sliced in half like that at the end of Phantom Menace. He was barely, you know, he he barely he was he was probably just barely above Boba Fett in in the in the. Uh, as far as cool characters who didn't really get that much to do. Um, because, you know, Boba Fett, we all, he was so cool when back in the day. Um, but he really didn't do much in, in the, uh, in the original trilogy. So, you know, <laughs> and Darth Maul, he had a few, you know, he had a good fight and all that, but I, I, I'm very glad they brought him back and that he had a real, they brought him back and they've given him a really, really cool um arc story arc, a really cool story arc going forward. And uh, I think there's some more cool story they're gonna tell with him, which I'm looking forward to. Um and yeah, actually they made him very interesting in the final season of the Clone Wars, um with his interactions with Ahsoka and everything. They did oh yeah, they did some really cool they did a really good job with him. I have to say, so that's pretty, I'm pretty happy with all that. And, uh, basically, uh, that brings us to the end of the movie and the end of my review of it. Um, basically, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, I was kind of, I won't say dreading rewatching Phantom Menace, but I was really not excited about rewatching Phantom Menace. Um, and I kind of had to force myself to do it, which is, you know, probably why it took me a little too long to finally do it. But I've done it. I got through it. It wasn't painful. I, I, I don't, I don't hate the Phantom Menace, but I am still disappointed in the Phantom Menace. It's not what I wanted it to be at all. Um, but I'm, I'm a Star Wars fan. I love Star Wars. It's a big part of Star Wars. So I accept it and, you know, I accept it as a part of the whole saga, not my favorite part, but there you go. And honestly, I think, um, 
doing my tweet notes while I watched the movie helped a little too. That <laughs> way, I didn't have time to really get bored or anything. Not that I would have, but uh. anyway, there you have it. So that's my rewatch of the Phantom Menace. Um, was interesting, and uh, yeah, it's gonna make the rest of the rewatch interesting as well. I'm really looking forward to rewatching the Clone Wars in chronological chronological order. That's gonna be fun. I think it's gonna be real interesting. But before I do that, I have to get through Attack of the Clones, which is a lot. As I understand it, is is a lot of fans least favorite of the prequel trilogy so we'll see on this rewatch how i feel about it i honestly i'm i'm gonna be honest with you i think the phantom menace is the one uh, is the movie the prequel movie i've watched the most and i think attack of the clones might be one of the ones i remember the least so uh yeah it's gonna be interesting to rewatch it i think at least on that note so stay tuned for that coming up soon. The part two of the Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, forgive me. I'm from New England. I have an accent. <laughs> the Star Wars chronological rewatch experiment will continue with part two, Attack of the Clones. So until then, I thank you all for listening. Um, Again, if you have any thoughts or uh, anything to add, listen to the end of the program and you will find out how to contact me and the New England Society of Geeks. I'd love to hear from you. Email, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. And uh, until then, please, please, everybody stay safe out there. Uh, things are going, things are really tough right now. And, uh, just, just please try to be safe and, uh, and try to be, try to be kind to, to everyone, even if, if they annoy you as much as Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> all right. Good night, everybody. And may the force be with you all. Let's get out of here. Ready for light speed? To contact the New England Society of Geeks. You can email us at nesogpod at gmail.com. That's N-E-S-O-G-Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at nesogpodcast. That's N-E-S-O-G podcast. Find us on Facebook on our New England Society of Geeks podcast page. Follow us on Instagram at NESOGPOD. That's N-E-S-O-G-POD. Finally, if you could find it in your hearts, we would appreciate it if you could give us a rating or possibly a review on wherever you listen to this podcast. Thank you and good night. <laughs>